Hey, Sona, do you settle for ordinary in your own home? No. Well, you kind of do. Anyway, with oh. floor and decor, <laughs> you don't have to put up with rooms that just look meh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Meh is kind of a meh. phrase these days. Floor and decor doesn't just have a couple of aisles of options. It's an entire store with the largest selection of tile, wood, and stone in stock and available in job lot quantities. Mm. That's what I need, job lot quantities. And if you're a pro like me, Floor and Decor also has a job site delivery, along with all the brands pros trust for installation. There's also design experts in the store to help you find the right look at the right price. And guess what? It's free. That's my favorite price. Free is the best price, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Unless it's for food. And then I'm like, oh, I'm about to pay a little. No, I like free food, too. Well, it can be scary. Anyway, uh, we got off track. You can resist the ordinary and find more ways to wow with Floor and Decor. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Jake Tapper. And I feel cromulent about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Whoa. Okay, now I have wow. to look that up. Cromulent. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Why are you laughing? Why? Why are you laughing? I don't know. Your voice always gets to a point. I, because, I, can I say something? What happens, I think, I know what you're going to say. When I'm just talking in the moment, I'm myself. Yeah. But whenever you guys say, now it's time to start the podcast, I get in my head and I go, what do I do? I want Matt to do an what impression. Because I, I think he, he knows. Okay. So tell me we're going to start the podcast. Okay. You're Conan now. And I'll be, yeah. uh, I'll be Matt Gorley. I'm just put down my banjo and my <laughs> uh, antique felt hat <laughs> and my best Truman doll. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. Mm-hmm. Put that over there. Okay. And then uh, Conan, you should probably start the podcast now. Silence. Silence. Quiet. Murder. Murder. <laughs> murder. Murder. I do say, why do I say murderer all the time? Murderer. Murderer. All right. So okay. then, okay. Co- come on, Conan. And then you take like I'd say 30 seconds and you just go quiet and still like you're meditating. And then you finally come out of it and go eight registers deeper than your normal voice. Hello there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien. He's a friend. Is it that bad? Is it that bad? I'm not done yet. Oh, the podcast where I, uh, I con people into <laughs> being my friend and then you emerge into yourself. Oh, Cause it takes me. Yeah. It takes me a couple of, 
It takes. I know. I know. No, it's not bad. It's not at all. bad. It's not, no. It just, no, it but I'm self-conscious about it now. It's this moment of uh-huh. time. No, I think no. it's that 30 seconds you take to think about it, where you go into broadcaster mode when you just got to be old Conzy Ob Ryan and get out there. Conzy Ob Ryan. Yeah, I don't ever want to be Conzy Ob Ryan. <laughs> but you're right. I get into my head and I think, what is this we're doing now? And then I look and there's this giant microphone in my face, and suddenly I feel like I'm supposed to be professional, and yeah. I go. Oh. Hey, Conan O'Brien. And, and and immediately I know I'm not being my authentic self. And then Sona says something that en- enrages me. And I say, murderer, silence, silence. Yes. And then suddenly we're back uh, to this normal voice. Let's try it if you don't think about it. One, two, three, go. Hey, Conan O'Brien here. <laughs> no. If Conan O'Brien no. needs a friend, we're seeing a lot of no, traffic downtown good. on the 405. <laughs> if you're going to merge with the 101, make sure you stay in the left lane. We're going to... S- Check in now with Scotty Joe. Scotty Joe, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Scotty Joe here. I got my puppet, Mr. Quiggles. Well, we'll check back in with you guys later. Scotty Joe and Mr. Quiggles. You're listening to C.O.B. and the Chill Chill Chums. You're listening to C.O.B. and the Chill Chums. You know, if we go from the podcast into that kind of radio, that would be so fantastic, you know? It would be kind of retro, vintage. It might just be yeah. cool again. Wouldn't it be yeah. cool again? And and you'd have to talk about guys that are hot, Sona. Yeah, you know, like, guys hey, Sona. I'm doing. Yeah, you're doing some guy. Doing some guy and he's yeah. hot. And yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. us all yeah. about it. Yeah, tell us all about it. Yeah, I bet you, we did it. You just are oh, doing, yeah. whoa, okay. That's <laughs> well, the most asexual sexual conversation I've ever heard in my life. I met a guy, he's hot, we're doing it, and then we did it, and then it was done. Yeah. And then it was a done thing that had been done. So one time it's again. It's time for sex reminisces on the 7s. Yeah. All right, quick update. If you're trying to get to the 134, just be aware there's been a large melted cheddar cheese spill all over the highway. Oh, uh, yeah. They're rushing beans oh. to that site immediately to mix them in with the cheese. <laughs> And uh, Mike Chopper is now descending, losing altitude quickly. I forgot to gas it up beforehand. This is my final broadcast. Um, uh, yeah, you're, I think in the, you're in the helicopter too. I'm in the guy in the helicopter doing the tax report. Yeah, yeah. And I'm you're losing. in studio and in the okay, helicopter. Okay, I've crashed. I'm now in my I'm mired in cheese. Cheese on the 134. <laughs> I have to tell you, it's kind of a sharp, it's a sharp cheddar, I believe, from the taste of it. Wait a minute, that's my blood. Um, <laughs> seven minutes after the hour, time for another sex remembrance from Sona. Yeah. Back to you with another sex remembrance. Oh, and make sure you put in some helicopter noises behind me, Gorley. Well, oh, yeah, later on. Effect. You can do it in editing. You, you don't, do, yeah, you don't you have don't to do it now. I don't think- Ah, man, this is all live. We're going live. You're right. <laughs> I'll do it. Chopper, 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 chopper. Oh, no. It's time for another edition of Sound Effects Theater. Chopper, chopper, chopper. Oh, no, we're going down. Descend. Crash. Listen, that was a terrible opening. Stupid. No, I'm, I am going it. to, from now on, yeah, from now on, I'm just going to launch right into it. Hey, Conan O'Brien, and you're going to hear that other guy. Oh, who's that other guy? Well, That's I don't know not who, you either. I don't know who any of these guys are. I don't know. Just do what you do. I don't mean to yeah. make you all self-conscious about it. It's just, it does, you do like, it's it's silent, and all of a sudden you're like, hi there. I'm, yeah. You know, you know it's so Conan funny O'Brien. at home, uh, I, if I say something my wife doesn't like, she's, she'll say like, wait, what did you say? I'll say, don't worry about him. He's just crazy. <laughs> I know. And she'll say, worry about who? And I go- you know, Conan just being that way. And she'll say, wait, you're Conan. And I'll go, no. And it totally 
gets me out of it every time. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah, I say, so I'll be talking to her. So you be Liza and I'll just say something like, oh, well, could we eat sooner? What? Can we eat sooner? You know what? Don't, don't, don't worry about him. He's just, you know what he is? He's narcissist and it's all about him and his show and his podcast. And just, just walk away from him because you know what? You're better than him. (laughs) And she's like, who are we talking about? Yeah. Who are you talking about? Trust me. Conan's just a a dick sometimes, but you know what? And then I become her confidant who's the good guy who's allying with her against Conan. It's fantastic. That sounds healthy. Try it. (laughs) It's very healthy when my children look at it and then they leave the room and they just cry. Okay, that makes sense. And they know that, hey- um, I I got to get going with our guest today. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He is, of course, CNN's chief Washington correspondent and host of The Lead with Jake Tapper, which airs weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, he's also a New York Times bestselling author. His new book, The Devil May Dance, is available now. I'm very excited he's with us today. Jake Tapper, welcome. Cromulent. Matt, do you know what cromulent is? Hell no. Uh, I don't know That's what amazing. cromulent is, and I, I like to try and know what words are. Does that mean you're Cromwellian, nope. meaning that you want to uh, lead a, a successful revolution in, in England nope. as a, a la Cromwell? I don't think so. No. There's a lot of debate about whether this is a real word or not. Does it come from the Simpsons? Yes, it comes from the Simpsons. Oh, oh see, I never know Simpsons trivia, ever. I, <laughs> you worked pe- on it. I know, but that's the thing is when you work on a show, you don't know this stuff. And people uh. are always coming up to me and saying, mm, so and Mr. Plow. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know what they're talking about. What was cromulent? It's a nonsense word. Along with uh, the same kind of a, a noble spirit in Biggins, the smallest man. And oh. and so somebody's asking about the word in Biggin, and somebody says, uh, some, somebody objects to it, and the, the other person says, I don't know why, it's a perfectly cromulent word. Oh, that's okay. I that's see. cool. Well, see, Simpsons fans will be delighted. Yeah. And other people will just fast forward through this section, <laughs> which I think is, <laughs> which I think is allowed. You know, Jake- our listeners don't know this, yes. but you and I are friendly in real life. That's it. You demoted me to friendly. Ex- I'm friendly. <laughs> yes, we are friendly. We are. Uh, I'm going to say we're so friendly. One could even qualify us as friends. I mean, I think I've literally slept at your house. That doesn't count as yes. friend. I literally I have slept being, at your house. Do you remember that? I, that's another thing I was going to bring I up. Is that it? you? I don't know. I, I spend so many. Well, what happened at the houses of late night hosts? I, they all you run may. Together. I don't know. You might be. A, you might be a, one of those late night sluts that just moves around, <laughs> sleeping at you know your buy house, and then it's Fallon's, and then it's Corden's. You know, you just might jump from late night house to late night house. If you're at Fallon's, um, you don't remember much the next day. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> those are just rumors. He's never had too much. Uh, listen. Here's my what I remember. You uh, you you were in town, and I very kindly offered uh, that you stay uh, at my house. Yeah. I don't remember if there was a gift. It's lovely. Or not. I don't. This is lovely. Yeah, it, it was a lovely. Lo- home. Lovely guest room. So this is a true story. So I'm sleeping. Uh, I'm sound asleep. Uh-oh. And then I just you know when you wake up and you're just aware of something. I woke up and Jake was standing in my room <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> and he was he was Jake. dressed in a suit he was dressed for on air yeah. on CNN true and true he was story. just staring at me and you looked at me for a bit and I looked at you and then you just walked out of the room ah. and I brought it up in the morning and 
you denied it. <laughs> and and then I searched your luggage and you had no suit. So I don't know how any of this was possible. It's possible you dreamt it. It's, it's possible possibly. that something was going on with Liza that, you know, can be dealt That's with right. in therapy. I mean, there's all sorts of <laughs> kind of all, all kinds all, of stuff. All sorts of possibilities with it. But not only have I slept at your house, I have lunched with you and your wife with my wife. Yes. Your lovely wife. We were the Flintstones and the Rubbles. I don't know. I'm going to say you were the Flintstones and we were the Rubbles. Uh, I'm going to give you the- Are you making fun of my feet? No, no, no. I was giving you the alpha Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I thought you were making fun of me for having Fred Flintstone feet. No, not at all. Although you do start your car by- (laughs) You've cut out the hole in the bottom of your car. And I enjoy a good Brontosaurus burger is also the truth. (laughs) You know, I think we became friendly and I think the cement- is that we both love and have this insane obsession with presidential history and American sort of arcana, you know, like just, well, first of all, you often send me something that's available on eBay. Well, I bring it as a gift for the show. So everybody who knows you, who listens to the show knows that you have a lovely mug, a a Dwight Eisenhower mug. I yes. believe he's in uniform. It's an army Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's uh, I think it's it's circa World War II. Yeah. and it's an Eisenhower mug, and it's been on my desk. It was on my desk at Saturday Night Live, and then it was on my desk at The Simpsons, and then on uh, when it was time when I had a late night show, someone said, "Well, what's going to be on your desk?" And I just put it on my desk. It was there on the first episode, and it was there for, I mean, it's twenty eight years. I've had that that mug it's fantastic. on whatever on whatever desk I have. And so you were kind enough. That's a genre of um, collectible, which yeah. is these old mugs. So I think one of the first times uh, I came on your show, I brought you, I believe, a General MacArthur mug yes. to go with it. Yes. Um, and then I came back the next time and it was nowhere to be seen, the General <laughs> MacArthur. It was not. Well, I, I wasn't going to, first of all, I thought I you could put it next it. to the Eisenhower. No. Two World War no, II generals get... could be friends. <laughs> well, they, they could... weren't friends. They both had, uh, well, MacArthur had a crazy ego and didn't get along with Eisenhower. And I knew that that would upset Eisenhower. So then I brought you um, a Mamie Eisenhower mug the next time. <laughs> I brought you yes. Mamie, his wife. Yeah. Next time I came yeah, on your show, think... also still not there. Still not. I didn't real. I didn't realize. I took those mugs home. I wasn't going to. That's a bad precedent. Third to time because General Montgomery, <laughs> the British. Yes, wow. the British general. I remember that. Oh, General God. Montgomery. You, and by the way, keep in mind, Sona, that he never, like, it never appeared again. I never saw it. It was not. I, huh. It was not in his office. It was not at home. It's in my house. <laughs> no. Is first it? of all, you have not. It is. These are at home. But what? I wasn't going to do is leave them out on the desk because then, okay, Carrot Top comes on the show mm. and you know leaves some cl- chattering teeth as a guest and I've got to leave them. Mm. And soon it's Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> I, I can't do that. And and also the Montgomery, General Montgomery, I know all you listeners are going, that's right, you know, led uh, British forces, uh. famously, uh, you know, uh, fought uh, the Germans in North Africa. Of course. And then uh, <laughs> led uh, British European forces uh, in, uh, in, and did hated Patton, just absolutely hated, hated him. But anyway, uh, duh. And then, yeah. but anyway, he didn't look like Montgomery. He looked like the dad <laughs> on different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible there depiction. There was a Conrad now, Bain, uh, con- yeah, he, he was Bane-esque. He was Bane-like. And the MacArthur wasn't had good a, either, by the way. The MacArthur. Oh, like, no, no. The MacArthur like a, really like, wasn't good. It was hideous. 
frankly. The better Eisenhower story is, and this, this is crazy. Oh, this this is how sick we are. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and Jake, you, you were the one that you're enabling. Like, I have a sickness when it comes to this uh, presidential his, history and, and American history. And then- and 20th century history, and you enable it, and you <laughs> add to the it. sickness. I do, and love, so, I do love it. So, so tell everybody what you did. I got a random invitation, an email, and I, you know, I get a lot of these. I'm sure you do too, Conan. Did I want to have dinner in New York? Was it the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landing? It was something like that. It was some yep. historical night having to do with World War II, and the Eisenhower granddaughters were going to be there. Lovely ladies, probably in their 60s, I would guess, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. The Eisenhower yeah. granddaughters. And did I want to do that? And it turned out, I live in D.C., you live in L.A., but both of us were in town for Warner Media or maybe it was TBS, whatever it was, whatever our parent company was at the time, uh, Sweeps Week. So we were both, I knew you were going to be in New York, and you and I had gotten together before uh, during that week. And so I said, this is going to sound crazy, but I think you're the only other person in the world that would want to do this with me. Do you want to go have steak to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the DD landing (laughs) with General Eisenhower's granddaughters? Yes, and what I love (laughs) is that the text I get is, hey, I lined up a pretty good night. You, me, and the Eisenhower sisters. And it was so funny because it was, suddenly it was like Lenny and Squiggy <laughs> are dating these two sisters. Now look, again, the Eisenhower sisters uh, could not be lovelier. They're, they're, and they're, they're granddaughters of, of the great president and general Eisenhower, and they could not be lovelier. But it was just so funny because it was all couched in this. Right, as if it was Fonzie going out with like, you know, the, the leather Tuscadero and pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, and, and so and so we show up at this thing. And of course, they're delighted to see you because this is how we're an odd couple. You are uh, a legitimate figure in, in pop culture. So you walk into the room and the Eisenhower granddaughters are saying, oh, my God, it's it's Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper. It's so good to be here. And you went, yes. And this is Conan O'Brien. And. They were trying to be nice. <laughs> That's not but true. That's they could not, not pick, true. They could not pick me out of a police lineup. Not true. Uh, and uh, they knew about, and at least one of them, Susan, I think, knew about the mug on your table. I, you are, you are, <laughs> you are perhaps the most prominent fan of Dwight David Eisenhower alive today. I can't think of one. I, I've worked hard to get the word out on Dwight D. Eisenhower. <laughs> Uh, among this slacker generation and, you know, these punks today and to, to try and instill a sense of history and responsibility. I think yeah. we're the slacker uh, generation, by the way. That's like, that's such a dated reference. You're actually referring, like, we are technically the slacker generation. Oh, it's us. Is it us? <laughs> yeah, we are, oh, we are slackers. Generation Z thinks of, like, that's that's like you describing the baby boom generation, like, thinking that, like, or, or the greatest generation. These young kids today, the greatest generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know what's funny? I'm doing something that my dad does. My dad uh, is so it was uh, I think 15 years old when World War II ended, so he was too young to to you know be involved in any way, or 15 or 16. But he uh, is so uh, in love with and knows so much about World War II that he now talks as if he fought in the war. 
<laughs> and uh, and I think he's convinced. He's watched so many of these documentaries and so many of History Channel things that I think he really does feel like that pain in his hip. You know, is not that he's in his nineties; it's that he took shrapnel. Oh at, you know, at Iwo Jima, and so he fought in the Pacific. Though when, when you he fought in the well, he fought in both in oh, his mind, okay, okay. And, and, and not and not one and then the other. In his mind, he probably believes now that he was he was jumping from uh, the European theater to the Pacific and then back again. He sure. was just constantly commuting between these fronts in the war. Uh, and and I was, I think I've read so much about this history that I'm starting to feel like, oh, you punks, you don't know what it was like in World War II. <laughs> like, you idiot. <laughs> you, came of age, you came of age in the 1980s, you idiot. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're a comedy about? writer. You're a comedy writer. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when I was writing comedy... I took some shrapnel. When? When did you take shrapnel? Uh, it was a sketch show I was working on. Making the jump to on air was tough, kids. It was tough. <laughs> I had to work with John Lovitz. He was amazing. He used to want a lot of cake, and we had to get him his cake. Um, yeah, just really uh, real foolishness. I've always been so – I think anyone listening right now can sense – this, there's a real affection here. Yeah, we're, we're not friendly. Fr- I mean, can we, can we can we revisit this again? I think we have yeah. established now, and everybody listening knows we're friends. Now, maybe you're embarrassed to admit it, or maybe no. there's something in you that no, is— No, you, Jake, you legit—no, no, you legitimize me. I'm happy about we're it. friends. If I come to Los Angeles, I let you know I'm coming so we can grab dinner. I mean, this happens. Yes, I know. <laughs> Let me explain what happened when I said we're friendly. I was the first one to make the statement, and I I didn't want to be wounded. I didn't want to be hurt. You didn't want to be—you thought I'd reject it. Okay. Well, I thought it was possible if I said, hey, we're friends, that maybe, you know, you'd make some snide comment, and then I'd be— Oh, life's too short I'd be that. so filled with shame. Life's so too short. I think what you sensed there was me— being afraid to really open up. You don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable in front of Jake Tapper. And you served in World War II? <laughs> in both theaters. Because it's my, it's my crusty, I served with my father, which is very unusual for a father and son to fight alongside each other when one is underage and the other is not born yet. But yeah, I fought with my father in both theaters uh, of World War II. And I, I think you punks today don't know what's going on. <laughs> you young Gen Xers. Getting back to it, it was really fun. We had this dinner. It was fun. It was uh, great. Both Eisenhower granddaughters were there. And then um, I think you and I, and it, at some point, I think we got put at a kid's table. I don't know. Yeah, I don't happened. think, I I don't think we, they definitely didn't put us at the good. You know who was there? I mean, it was such an elite clientele. And yes, definitely Cone and I were not put at the head table. Um, but there was, who was the guy who who was Jackie Onassis's husband? Yes. Uh, Maurice Templesman was there. Who a Belgian-American was... businessman and diamond merchant is what yes. Wikipedia says. Born in 1929. And he introduced himself to me that way. He said, I'm a Belgian. <laughs> diamond uh, merchant. <laughs> diamond merchant. Um, and so and, that was the kind of party. We were in this super insane bubble of kind of important people and they put us at this little card table, which I think they, they made the right call. Yeah, it's just uh, these two stooges who are on television. The, and the thing is about Maurice <laughs> Templesman is like, he's so successful and wealthy, he doesn't care if we know who he is. I think that's the reason we had to kind of search for his name. Like he doesn't, he dated Jackie Onassis because like, wow, that's like the greatest woman he could, you know, in his social circle. But he's not like right. out there dining out on it. Nobody cares. Like he, he, you know what I mean? He's so successful. He doesn't, need to be on television and get approval the way you and I do. Yeah, and we kept throughout the dinner 
either one of us or both of us, or you know, sometimes in unison, would shout, "We're on television!" Oh God! Um, and I think that's why we got put at that smaller table. Oh, no. And I was trying to do bits, since I was trying to convince people. I had, I actually do have a bad habit of showing footage of my show on my phone. Oh no! And the Eisenhower sisters, um, they they weren't having it. They asked me to please sit down. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. 
That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You have that thing that I don't have, Jake, which is that you can, you're a very funny guy, talented guy, and a witty guy, but then you can always be the guy that's saying some important news just came in, and you have this gravitas. I don't have that. Occasionally on my show, I try to say, this just in and some important news, but <laughs> inevitably it's the it's the beginning of a sketch <laughs> where there's never, a chimp I, I don't wearing think, a I'm World War One helmet. I'm I'm I think I'm mildly amusing for for a news anchor. That, I think that's what it is. It's like it's like a like I like a, a dog that can catch a frisbee really well. Like I, it doesn't catch a it doesn't catch a it doesn't catch a frisbee well compared to like humans. But for a dog, that's pretty good. That's what I'm like with like humor. Like I can you know, uh -huh. you and I will talk and like, you know, maybe one thing I'll say in a fifteen minute conversation is is like, you know, gets a smile out of you. Um, it's, a, you know, but I'm happy for that. I'm happy for it. But I, 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 am a ser I am a serious person, generally speaking, which is why I have the gravitas, as it were. I think something, and the reason maybe I said friend Lee instead of we're <laughs> friends, and I'm going to keep going back to it too. Yeah, it's just going to haunt me forever. I've always been slightly jealous of your bromance with Paul Rudd. Mm. Um, oh, yes. You're, you, you are very tight with Mr. Paul Rudd, and, um, yeah, I always think that on occasion, the three of us have gotten together yes. and I always sense that you guys are happier to see each other than you are to see me. <laughs> and, uh, then I get in my head about that and I go, I guess I'm no Paul Rudd because I'm actually yeah. aging like a human being. But that, um, his his you know, thing I, I, is freakish. I don't, I do not even understand like what, why he looks the exact same now than when I met him 15 years ago. Like it's crazy. I do, which is I found out that he has a chamber that he sleeps in. <laughs> that would make it's sense. Filled, it's filled with Pond's facial cream. And he just lies in it face down and these little straws go in his nose and feed him oxygen. <laughs> and so he marinates in Pond's cream wow, uh, awesome. all night long. That's a true fact. Like Bill Hurd in uh, Altered States. So- Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, but you have to admit, you, it's threatening to me. I'm threatened by your- your closeness with Paul. No, Rudd. no. I Everyone think Paul, Paul is Paul is just on this level of rarefied air and like every now and then he'll he'll come down and I'll say hi to him, but then he'll go back up. You'll remember 
the, when the three of us got together in New York, you mm-hmm. and I were hanging out at a bar, at a hotel mm-hmm. bar, and and then I I had told Paul I was in town, and he asked where, and then I told him, and he came and he met the th- he met the two of us, and where had he just come from? Do you remember this? He had just been playing poker with Al Pacino. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like that's the yeah. life that Paul lives. Paul literally has stories about like Paul Newman making him salad dressing. Like yeah. ho- like not. He didn't just grab a bottle of Newman's own. He made salad dressing for so, you know, that's the life he leads. Yeah, and and we didn't have anything. You said, "Oh yeah, no, I just played Hungry Hungry Hippos with Wolf Blitzer," <laughs> and uh, Paul just sort of. He I remember cheats. he rolled his eyes. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I said, "I have a Christmas card that I got once from Pee Wee Herman," and uh, <laughs> I tried to produce it but couldn't find it. He was on that different level. And then that was pre-Ant-Man. Then he gets Ant-Man and forget it. He's a Marvel hero now. He has reached, now he won't return Pacino's phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what happened? By the way, so speaking of Marvel, I- I know you're there. Pick up the phone. (laughs) Your Pacino impression. Pick up the phone. (laughs) Make the call. I got to be on the edge. Make the call. Where I gotta be. Your bad bombs, the lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. A man's soul. <laughs> you are out of order. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that's Paul Rudd now. He will never speak to him again. So you do know, you know? So just, have you watched all the Marvel movies? Because I am now. I waited to watch a whole bunch of stuff for my kids to be old enough to watch it with me. Like the Harry Potter movies, all the yep. superhero movies. And now my kids are 11 and 13. They could not give a shit. They do not want to see superhero movies. They do not want to see Harry Potter movies. They, could, they couldn't care less. So now I'm watching them by myself. And, right. um, and they're very, so, but I'm only up to um, Civil War, uh, Avengers Civil War. So I still got a, yeah. I got a ways to go. Have you watched them all? Well, I'll tell you something. My kids are really into it, and oh, I, so that makes me jealous. Uh, and you know, they're a little older now, but when these a couple of years ago, they were really into these movies, and I was watching with them. And I forget which Avengers movie it is. It's somewhere in there where they're trying to assemble the Fraggle Rock, and it turns into a glove. <laughs> I forget what it is. But that's every um, superhero movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to get all the stones together, and it's like the second of those or the first of those. And I had a revelation, what I will share with you now, which is at one point. The sky opened up into a, a portal from another universe, sure. and monsters started coming out of it. And they were there was a giant uh, dragon, and there's different, and everything came out of this portal. And there yeah. were no rules; like they were gods that came out. And so one of them could punch Thor, and he'd go flying. But then Captain America, who's just a strong man, well, would punch one of them, and they'd go strong. flying. But yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, strong. He's as strong as like three men. He's basically. <laughs> Someone who you'd, if you hire any mover at a moving company and he's almost he's as strong as Captain he's America. Right, he's basically just like The Rock, but he, yeah. they put tights he's, on. He's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's Dwayne <laughs> The Rock Johnson. And yeah, okay, you're like really impressed. That's great. It's like you're really but fit. If there's a meteor coming. <laughs> you take out a gun and you shoot him. You're like, sorry, Rock. Yeah, yeah. and he, yeah, exactly. That's right. And so- but look um, at his calves. Anyway, go I on. do. I do often. I have a poster in my Someone room. Someone shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But listen, here's look my point. Yes. My point is a portal. Go into another room with his I, calves, for God's sake, son. <laughs> I walked out of the screen. I walked out of the, you know this, this movie, and I went in the lobby, and my kids were like, what's the problem? And I went, I can't do portals. 
I don't <laughs> like movies where the sky opens up and anything can come out and you don't know what the rules are anymore in the movie. And, you know, the, the script writers just go, oh, what the hell? Have something open up in the sky and that'll be act three and stuff comes out and everybody's fighting everything. And this anybody- This kind of happened in just, Justice League too on the, in the DC yes! universe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What I'm saying is that I'm portals. If, and I'm, this is a, I'm on notice to DC and Marvel, stop it. Stop having the sky open up, work within the framework that you've created and make a viable universe and then follow those rules and stay up late and figure out a way for you. I, to I agree. Don't agree. open a portal in the air and like, oh, look, it's a creature. It looks like a giant, you know, uh, corn cob. Right. But it's shooting a beam that's made of jewels that then turn into French baguettes. Like, it's just stupid. Right. But if that's you take true. these four, you know, super powered games of Simon and put them together, then, then you can yes. close the portal. Right. Yes. Can I just say that this discussion did not go the way I thought it was going to go? <laughs> Why? Yo, oh, you thought we'd be talking about, oh, democracy's in peril. <laughs> It is. Oh, what do we do? It is, but can we not talk about it? That's what I talk about all day. Yeah, exactly. You know, Matt, first of all, all that stuff's going to straighten itself out. Oh. Um, no, probably not. The portal? Unless somebody opens a portal. <laughs> we, need, we need a portal. What's going to happen Liz Cheney's is Mitch McConnell, get us one of Mitch, McConnell is, <laughs> Mitch McConnell is going to be just about to destroy voting rights. Uh, and he's about to be, he's just about to do it when the sky is going to open up and- uh, and a bunch of crazy characters are going to so, come down. And that's so, how people get there quickly. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Jake. So I, all I wanted to say is, so I'm watching, so I'm catching up all the, on all these movies now. And I'm watching uh, Batman versus Superman. Because I wanted to see uh -huh. the Snyder Cut. I started watching it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I need to watch Batman versus Superman first. And then I start watching Batman versus Superman. And I'm like, oh, shit, I need to watch Man of Steel first. So then I, anyway, let's proceed. In Batman versus Superman, they have mm -hmm. CNN anchors uh, that have cameos. Uh, I think Anderson's in it and Dana Bash is in it. And Dana, do you remember this is, I mean, this movie came out 10, 15 years ago. So spoiler alert, there's a, there's a scene in which they frame Superman. It makes it look like Superman caused a terrorist attack in the Capitol. Do you remember this? Did you watch this movie? Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's not that long ago. I think it's like five years ago. Okay. Well, it doesn't spoil the movie, but anyway, the, the point is Superman is framed. He didn't, he didn't do this. But right. anyway, Dana is in the movie. My colleague and friend is in the movie, basically on television, regurgitating anti-Superman talking points. Like, oh. like no, I mean, and I, I couldn't, I'm like, you know, you're allowed to change the script if they give you stuff that you don't want to say. I mean, I get that, like, you know, we we, get, we got asked to do it, and I, put, I would have done it too. I, I say yes to anything like that. It's fun. But, and it's the only way that your kids, you know, my kids ever get to see me do anything. But, but, um... <laughs> And I'm like, Danny, you know, like, why, why are you on television reading, like, anti-Superman talking points? Superman's a good guy. Like, you know, you know that Superman's good, right? She's like, yeah. So you're saying that, that Dana, you think, hurt her journalistic credibility by going anti-Superman, which they would do on Fox. Only on, know? only on, Metro only in Metropolis, but yes. <laughs> only in Metropolis, but yes. She's lost her street cred in Metropolis. Yeah, I, I think, exactly. Like, I mean, she should have, she said, well, she had, there was a whole scene that she did where she and Lois Lane, played by Amy Adams, were talking and da-da-da, and it would have, it would have, you know, her character would have come out more, but it didn't make the cutting room floor. So she's just yeah, that's spew that's she's like the judge Janine of Batman versus <laughs> Superman, just like saying nonsense that we know 
is not true. It's very upsetting. This is, um, uh, I love it. I love that. See, this is a side I want, upsetting. I want everyone. This is the real Jake Tapper. Yeah, I know I that you, I don't know, you this have all this stuff. You have this credibility, uh, and, and, and people admire you and respect you. Uh, this is what it's really about. Yes. And is that you are spending most of your time, uh, critiquing Anderson Cooper's performance on Batman v Superman. Uh, he was you know, funny. At, the other thing I'd like to say is that, like, <laughs> the other thing I'd like to say, and I think I think I, I'm getting behind your anti-portal position. All right, I'm 100 yes. behind it. I'm total anti. And listen, yeah. I'm asking my listeners to contact Marvel, contact DC, and say enough with the portals yes. in the sky. Stop it. I guess Stop the it. point is like that they need to have a reason to have the whole gang together. And so what what could it possibly be? Because we know that they're strong enough to defeat any army. So it needs to be from a portal. But I don't buy it. Get more creative. No, no, no. Just say it's Thor's birthday and everyone's getting together, <laughs> you know, at, at some Norse restaurant up on the Upper West Side. What? And and uh, and that's when they attack and they're all together. That's all you have to do. <laughs> you don't have to have a portal. No, but how do people get there quickly? You know, that's the whole point. Get where quickly? Get to the battle quickly. You know, you need Soda, are you pro there. portal? I, I, it sounds like she I is. Hate, I'm you're arguing. You, you know what? You, know, you are. Portal. You're a portal apologist. <laughs> and yeah. that's the worst kind of person you, you can really be. You really have to be on wait? one side or the other. You can't straddle portal yeah. or, or pro portal or anti portal. You have to be one I'm, or the yeah. other. I'm pro. I'm pro portal. Okay. There well, you uh, your that's days on this. So You know what I'm going to say, Sona? I'm so mad at you right now that. I think around July 2nd, I'm going to make you take a, a hiatus. That's my due date for my twins. <laughs> you can say that if you want yeah. to save face, but as of around July 2nd, you are banned okay. uh, from being with me uh, and for a while yeah. until I decide that you for can For Leopold and Loeb, her babies? <laughs> <laughs> Please name them Leopold and Loeb. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to know a little bit about Leopold and Loeb? No, you know, we're good. Maybe okay. we should talk about democracy. So the you other know. thing I wanted to say is I think that if you are in the Marvel universe, then yeah. you have to have the ethics and the and the strength to not then go into the DC universe as an actor and both. You can't be J. Jonah Jameson, Peter Parker's right. boss, and then turn around and you're Commissioner Gordon for Batman. You can't you can't do right. it, Simmons. You can't do it. You can't. It's not fair. You can't be one of Aquaman's evil gremlin fishmen yep. and then yep. turn around and be the Green Goblin fighting spider, spider, oh, these um, Spider-Man. You can't yeah. do that. You can't yeah. be Daredevil yep. and Batman, Affleck. You have to pick. So I actually think I'm actually an unapologetic Affleck fan. I'm, and I'm, I don't care what anybody says. And he's good as Batman. But I'm sorry he was Daredevil first. Sorry. And that ruined his Batman for you, didn't it? I'm just like, how can he He was Daredevil, and then- How can he also be Batman? Yes, you have to make a decision at some point which superhero you're going to be. And also you have to choose Marvel or DC, and this jumping from bed to bed is just disgusting. Exactly. uh, I'm totally with you on this. Thank you. Um, I'm not nearly as passionate- (laughs) About it. I have one issue, which is no portals. Your thing is you want actors to line up and commit to a role and stick with that role. And also, yeah, and, and I find and commit to a role and commit to a universe. You can't do DC and also Marvel. You have to choose one or the other. And whatever you pick. Are you okay with are you okay with Ryan Reynolds being Green Lantern, but then later on being Deadpool? Oh, that's interesting. No. 
Although, really, I really. <laughs> but Green, the Green Lantern, he admits, totally fizzled. Doesn't that almost mean he gets another try? It wasn't a viable. Deadpool, you know, he's really good in Deadpool. He's great in Deadpool. Those movies are so So what good. I'm saying is, by your logic, Jake, yeah. by your very own logic, yes. you think that Ryan Reynolds should have been barred from playing Deadpool because he had already had a role playing Green Lantern that nobody saw or cared about. Yes. I submit to you, sir, that you are wrong. <laughs> I, submit, I submit to you, sir. I submit that there are sacrifices that one makes for principle. Is that is that what you suggest? I mean, like, it's a, I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. Principle does not come with other. If there were no print, I mean, that's what principles are. You 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 uphold them even if oh. sometimes it's inconvenient, right? Like you honor right. democracy even if your candidate loses, right? Yes. Here we go. Here there we you go. go. There you know what? You, you did a beautiful job of bringing it bringing it around. To, but I still want to frustrate anyone who's tuning in to this podcast to hear you think us they pop discuss in serious in the issues. Tuning in. I know. I, what, what do you mean? They, they just they've made listening it this, now? If they've made it this far. They've been listening. If to anyone who's made it this far maybe should be rewarded with like a <laughs> dose of something <laughs> real. We're going to get to that. I want to just make sure that I, um, I give you props on your second novel. Um, your book came out uh, the Devil May Dance, you were very kind to send me a copy in advance, and I did read it, and I told you how much I liked it. And then uh, it gets this beautiful rave review in a little paper I haven't heard much about called The New York Times. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was- Congratulations. On a sincere you. note, congratulations. Uh, and then I have a pitch I'd like to make to, uh, <laughs> to you, because anyone who's listened, if you haven't noticed, uh, and I've said this before, uh, Jake and I are both obsessed with- sort of especially mid-century America and America in the 1950s and 60s. And your first book, Hellfire Club, sort of takes place uh, post-war 1950s Eisenhower era. But then the second book, Devil May Dance, takes place in 1961, 62. Mm -hmm. And every page is packed with like three or four famous historic figures. And all the stuff that happened at that time is playing out in real time on the accurate dates. And I was going to pitch myself for the audio book. Uh, I'd like to play both Kennedys, if well, that's possible. Um, the audiobook's already been done, uh, oh. I regret to say. No! I will what say are you this. talking about? I-, I will say this. I did the audiobook for the Hellfire Club, the one that takes place in 54. They did not, the publisher did not ask me to do the audiobook for this one. Um, what? The Devil May Dance, which I took uh, as an insult. To be, to be completely frank, but Wait, also the they relief. asked you to do the first audio book and then they said we're good on the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. But I will say this. I would like to have a Kennedy off with you because I did do the Kennedy voices for the first book. They're in there as uh, Senator John F. Kennedy and uh, Robert yeah. Kennedy, his, you know, uh, who worked. Uh, on the Senate side for the M- Joe McCarthy's commission. They're, yep. they're, they're characters in this book, too, obviously, because they're the president and attorney general. Now, when I now, do Jack, Robert Jack Kennedy, Kennedy not, when I do uh, Robert Kennedy, it's kind of up here. But when I do Jack Kennedy, it's a little lower and a little slower. Thoughts? So basically, your Jack Kennedy is Bobby <laughs> Kennedy if he fell in a well. <laughs> Is that, is that how it, and hit is that what happens? And hit his head, yeah. Yeah, so Robert Kennedy's walking along, and and uh, he's uh, sort of up here, Mr. Chairman. He's a little reedy, and he's up here, and then he trips on a rock, and he falls. And then he's down here, <laughs> and he's got a little more gravitas, toss, toss. Yes, um, that's exactly it. 
I thought only little girls laughed and giggled, Mr. Giancana. Mr. Yeah, Mr. G. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just want to make sure that I I I do get the word out on the Devil May Dance. Yes. Uh, so I think I'm so going to really the book inspired. This is what inspired me. The true story, and you already know this, I'm sure, because you're such a history buff. the The Rat Pack came out for Kennedy in such a huge way in 1960, and Sinatra even rewrote one of his songs, High Hopes, uh, and all that. They did the inaugural ball, performed at the inaugural ball, and they were friends, this and that. And when Sinatra, uh, what was Sinatra was expecting, that when President Kennedy came out to California as president, he would stay with him at his Rancho Mirage compound, his estate there mm-hmm. near Palm Springs. Yep. And he had it built up, and he had rooms added, and he had telephone lines installed. And he had a, he heli- had a helipad, helipad built. built. Yeah, all yeah. true. But then uh, Bobby Kennedy, the attorney general, uh, was investigating organized crime, and somebody pointed out to him that his brother's friend, Frank Sinatra, was friends with a lot of people in organized crime, including Mr. Giancana. So then uh, they, Bobby Kennedy had a dilemma. You know, does he not let the president stay with this huge supporter and insult him, uh, Sinatra, or does he let his brother sleep at a place where mobsters had literally slept while battling organized crime? So that's the... True story and also the premise of the book, the inspiration for the book, because then I have my, my main characters, Charlie Martyr, who's a Republican congressman, and who, like in the Eisenhower realm of Republicans, and uh, as opposed to the Matt Gates realm. And um, right. Margaret, his Margaret. wife, who's a, who's a zoologist, go out and investigate to see if Sinatra's really mobbed up or if it's kind of just a bit. And that's the premise of the book. And what's a real true story, as you know, is that the decision that uh, the Kennedys make is that JFK will not go stay with Sinatra. He'll go and stay with – I always heard he stayed with Bing Crosby. He did. He stayed with Bing Crosby. This, this is not really a spoiler for the for the book. It's you not a spo- – no, it's not a spoiler at all for the book. It's uh, – But yeah, he stayed – And if it is a spoiler, um, I apologize. <laughs> so – but what's important to know is um, – in real life, this broke Sinatra's heart. It really yep. broke his heart. It destroyed him. And one thing that is very seldom pointed out, but like in May 1962, and this is the last um, chapter of the book, in May 1962, JFK has his famous birthday party at Madison Square Garden. That's also a fundraiser. It's when Marilyn Monroe sings Happy Birthday, Mr. President, and all right. that. Although she's, you know, everybody thinks it's so sexy. She's stoned out of her mind and like months yeah, away from dying. Yeah. It's, for, it's it's really sad, yeah. Sinatra is not part of that celebration. Peter Lawford's there, other members of the Rat Pack are there, Shirley Klein, et cetera, et cetera. He's not there. And like, that's it. They broke up and it really broke Sinatra's heart. It really was, I think it destroyed him. And uh, late in, later in life, yep. Sinatra's a hardcore Republican. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's this big schism for him. You know, he was... Um, and, and that's why I liked that you, that is sort of the centerpiece of the book or, um, I wouldn't say the centerpiece, but it's what everything is around. It's like the structure, the chronological structure, but there's other, there's a ton of other stuff going on, going on in terms with mobsters and the church of Scientology is there and, uh, all sorts of, uh, young ladies and, uh, mystery and murder. And, uh, Sona told me, um, she's going to read it to induce labor. Which I thought was a strange, <laughs> a strange thing to say. 
But yeah, and she's going to give birth to yeah. twins. One is going to come out, eh, eh, talking a little up here, <laughs> like Bobby. And the other will be down here saying, uh, ich bin ein Belena. No, and so, you know, you'll have that representation. <laughs> go, go. And, uh, and also Gaga. So you have your Google and you have your Gaga. Um, this is what I have to say about that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh please. I just would love it if these little guys came out. And yeah, mother. Hey, mother. Mother. For no reason at all, just because Jake wait, suggested wait. it. <laughs> my friend Matt Clam, who's a brilliant um writer, uh, a fiction writer, and he he and I were hanging out one time, and this stuff seldom amuses uh, wives. I will say, I will. Yes, uh, I will, trust I will me. Add that. So we hung out one time. This is nineteen. This is two thousand four. We're hanging out, and we just thought something. We weren't. Nobody was. We weren't drunk. We weren't high. There was nothing going on, but we just decided to spend an afternoon talking as if one of us were John Kerry and the other one was pres- was Bill Clinton trying to give him advice. And so one of them was like, hey, John, John, what are you doing for your convention? What are you, John, you've been to Vietnam, right? You've been to Vietnam. That's right, Mr. President, I have. <laughs> Tis I, John Forbes Carey. I have been to Vietnam. Tell me, is it true what they say about the girls there? You know, just like, it was always like, Bill Clinton, like, introducing some serious subject, John Kerry, Father all and poppycock, Mr. President. And, and, then, and, then, and then Bill Clinton would just, like, swoop in and just ask the crudest, grossest question involved remotely. And we did it for hours, and I swear to God, our wives went on, went on many walks. We thought it was very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, The wives give that a wide berth, we're gonna go on a, We're going to go on a walk. That's real funny, that Kerry Clinton thing you got going. That's funny. Yeah. We'll see you in six hours when this unspools. Um, I uh, I got to let you go because I'm told that you have real things to do, um, which I can't believe. This is a, a, a joy. I'm a fan of the show. You three give me much pleasure. Uh, and so I get nice. to thank you. Uh, and Conan knows I listen because I, I will I will text him and tell him one's particularly good or um, no, you texted me once that uh, there had been a mistake that we should look into. <laughs> During an ad. You the, re-ran an way, ad, yeah. Th- that an ad re-ran, and it was somehow, it re-ran incorrectly. And so I come into the meeting at the of the podcast people, and I said, um, I think there was a mistake. And they were saying, there's no mistake. And I said, no, 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 Jake Tapper sent me this thing. You should look into it. And they went, well, Jake Tapper's insane. And they came back and said, yeah, yeah, something went wrong. Jake Tapper's right. <laughs> well, well, it was one of the, it was, you know, I was obviously a commercial that you do, right? You, you're, yeah. you're, 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 and it was just, you did it twice. And I'm like, they, they didn't mean for that. Yeah, they re-ran it twice yeah. accidentally, the exact same one. It didn't bother and so, me. I fast forward uh, No, no, but I anyway. love that. Just so everyone out there knows, the quality control on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is Jake Tapper <laughs> listening to every episode and phoning it. No, it's the only, uh, note. You it's are, the only note I've ever had. The only note. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm, I just was very happy for you to do this because I do want people to know, um, and they're seeing it now, your, your books are very successful, your, your novels, but I wanted to uh, show this other side of you. You're a very talented guy. You're very funny. You're very thoughtful. Uh, you're a, a very good cartoonist. And I just thought like, oh, I'd love to have you on the podcast where we can shine a light on this part of you that doesn't always uh, get to come out. 
when you're doing the news and our world is collapsing. So I was Thank really you. glad you could do it. Well, it's, it was, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Am I the first non entertainer per se? No, we've had, uh, well, Robert Caro, Robert Caro sure. did it. Oh my God. Uh, Michelle, hero. Michelle Obama. your hero, Robert yes, Caro, my hero, Robert Caro. Yes. Um, I stalked Robert Caro, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, Hillary oh, right. Clinton. Of course, of course, of course. Um, of course. and so I'm David trying to think. David Sedaris, I mean, he's. He's a humorist. Yes. So I think. Sedaris, I, he, I think Sedaris counts as an entertainer, but yes, of course you've had those, um, major political figures. I apologize. I should have known that. Well, you shouldn't. The, tr- no, the truth of the matter is I don't, when I leave work, I very seldom listen to anything that has to do with my day job. Uh, that's exactly what I do. I don't want to. Yeah, you have to clear your head. Yeah. That's why you're in some dark room uh, watching Batman v Superman <laughs> or Avengers number 77 yes. and saying, uh, no, 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 no. You can't play Doc Octopus when you also played you can't. Uh, the Riddler you can't. Uh, 15 years ago. It's No, I think it's a good principle. And I think you'll have fans that are going to say, I agree with you on the portal and I agree with Tapper even stronger on the choosing your universe. Choose your universe. I will yeah. say, I, like, I do watch a lot of entertainment, whether it's comedy, but I also watch a lot of drama uh, when I get home because I just, I do want to clear my head of the news, even, you yeah. know, and um, I've been watching Mayor of Easttown. Is that? Is yeah, that? yeah. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard it's good. It's good, but it's also funny because I'm from Philly and um, they make a big effort to do the Delaware County accents. The you know, And the successful water, or not? Water, no, it's, it's good. It's just funny to, to, to those of us from the region because, you know, I love it. Like, for instance, when I hear the First Lady Jill Biden speak, with, she has such a Philly accent. She's from Willow Grove, which is a suburb outside Philly. She has such a Philly mm-hmm. accent. To me, it's like music. To me, it's like a yeah. melody. But for most people, for someone to say, oh, he overdosed, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not pretty, it's not, it's not a pretty sound. <laughs> or a pretty sentence. No. She had a hoagie, she had a hoagie and then she overdosed. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of when that movie, uh, The Perfect Storm came out and all the actors decided we're going to do Boston accents and, uh, and I think George Clooney very wisely just said, I'm not doing it. So he just did a, for He was the only one that didn't have a Boston accent. And then some people went really uh, like hardcore on the Boston accent. And uh, one of the actresses in the film is, is, uh, is she's watching the storm and seeing where it's coming. She's like looking at it on TV. And then she knows where that boat is that all of her friends are on. And she goes, someone says, are they headed towards that storm? And she just looks at that person and goes, they're in the jaws of a monster. <laughs> and um, I stood up in the theater and uh, I don't remember what I had in my pockets, but I, it was thrown. And um, and so every now and then I'll just be driving, you know, if there's a slight rain here in L.A., it never rains. But like three drops, I'll be like, I'm in the jaws of a monster. <laughs> uh, Jake Tapper, you're a scholar. You're a gentleman. Uh, you're multi-talented. And uh, The Devil May Dance is a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a good read. And uh, so go and get your copy right now. Run, don't walk. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. All of you.
Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Mm -hmm. They're friendly, certified technicians, have over 270 hours of training, and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough, free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change, and, uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out in like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, But I wanted people to <laughs> you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody yeah, hot is there. And they're like, literate. oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blade driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. Let's take a voicemail from one of the listeners and hear what people have to say. What do you guys think? Uh, It sounds like we have no choice and this is what you've decided to do and we have to do it. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. We're going to take a voicemail, goddammit. (laughs) Hey, Conan. This is Mike Williams from Kelso, Washington. I am a fellow pale-skinned, handsome, ginger person such as yourself. I don't really have a question. I've more got a complaint. I haven't heard. There's been several guests that I thought would say something when they say, I am X, Y about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I've been waiting for someone to say, I am unseasonably horny about being Conan O'Brien's friend. So I don't know if you can make somebody say that or write it in or somebody. I just really want to hear it on the podcast. I think it's funny, but I'm not that funny. Well, I think Mike brings up a good point. Very few people, I don't think, in fact, none of the guests have confessed to this encounter with me being erotic in any way. And you and Jeff Goldblum had like a sonic love session. You yes, know, like yes. Love to right. Okay, Jeff Goldblum, but he can have that with a ham on rye sandwich. I mean, <laughs> he th- that's a guy who anything, you know, he gets into an elevator and, and hits his 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 floor and he's like, oh, you know, he's everything's erotic to him. So you don't get any points for that. I think what Mike Williams is uh, 
is bringing up here, he's not completely off that some people, now why does he say unseasonably horny? Because I don't oh. think of, huh. I mean, yes, with wildlife, I guess there are seasons uh, when, say, the sap rises, the flower opens. What? But what's happening? Do humans have a season? Do this... we have a sexual season? I don't think I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the most sexual person. But is there a sexual when he says unseasonably horny? That's the part that threw me a little bit. You I don't know? know. Does he mean that literally, or it just means like unbelievably horny? Like, yeah, I don't no, think he, that there's a season to be horny. Well, for I, a uh, Mike. Well, now listen, it's he's like from horny Kel- season. He's from Kelso, Washington, and maybe that's you know it gets cold and rainy there for a lot of the year, and maybe there is a time when the clouds part, that low ceiling uh, disperses, that cloud cover, and uh, suddenly there is a season of raw sexuality, and maybe that's what he's talking <laughs> oh, about. I mean, they say spring, then we're in it right now. Yes. Who's they, Matt? Oh, my sex counsel. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as my mother always used to say, spring is sprung, the grass is riz, I wonder where the flowers is. Oh, that's <laughs> is that what she meant? That's It's horny season? No, don't talk that way about my mom, Sona. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? What? No, that's she wasn't meaning it that way. spring is horny season, then you said a poem about spring. So well, it just reminded know. me of my sainted mither. <laughs> she used to say to us, spring has sprung, the grass is raised. I wonder where the flowers is. And I thought, oh, that's a great little ditty, mom. And then she'd have us all do Irish step dancing. Yeah. You know where you keep your legs really straight? I wow. wonder why no one has ever said you make them unseasonably <laughs> horny. I thought, okay, you all have your nice little laugh. Good one, Sona. Uh, you made me look like a fool. Has anyone ever said you make me seasonably horny? No, nobody's. Okay. <laughs> has I anybody just, ever said you make me horny? Look, okay, that's great. That's great. That's great. Everyone have their nice little chuckle at Conan's expense. I just think it's weird Mike wants you to make a guest say this about you on your podcast. Well, first of all, if a guest wants to say that, they may. That's up to them. But I wouldn't want to make them say anything. Well, some guests we know listen to this podcast. So maybe if there's a future guest listening, they should take note and come in right out of the gate with unseasonably horny. Yeah, but then I'll know it's not real, you know? (laughs) And what if it's someone I find very attractive and then I- what if it's like Ed Asner? Well, with Ed Asner, I would be very happy if I made Ed Asner unseasonably horny. That would delight me. I grew up watching Lou Grant and uh, our sexuality is a a spectrum. It's a continuum. And I'd be very happy to make Ed Asner delighted in that way. But my point is- that I don't want to force a guest to say anything or get in their heads in that section of the show. I want it to be a free expression of how they feel in that moment. Now, if future guests want to say that I'm their, <clears throat> I'm their hall pass, you know, anything like that to that degree, you know, that they find what are, me. What are you mumbling? What, yeah, what are you, are you, mumbling? Why are you saying it like? Whenever that? I get just talking about something is kind of erotic, I. Uh, just sort of mutter and mumble. Oh, kind God. of the microphone. Making straight. me unseasonably unhorny. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, maybe one of that. That's my sexy talk. Is I just, uh, just wanna, and you can't quite hear what I'm saying. Whenever I've tried to talk dirty in my life to a, uh, you know, potential mate, oh, I start going, uh, and they're like, "What are you saying? What, what happens sometimes in the past?" 
woman said, talk dirty to me. I go, oh, no. Gonna have to, sassafras. Sassafras? They'd be like, yeah, that's what they would say. Sassafras? And why don't you speak up? Do you need help, sir? Yeah. It always ended with EMTs coming. And, uh, oh no! Yeah, it would be mistreated. Uh, people would say, "Always oh, had something's gone very wrong with this man." And I would later on say, "Look, I was just trying to talk dirty in an erotic moment, and I was overcome <laughs> with frustration and anxiety, and so I started soft mumbling uh, things, words like sassafras and corn cob, and uh, that's why it all went south." I don't know, Mike. You got the wrong guy. You know, you just <laughs> do. You do. You got the wrong guy. There, there are plenty of podcast people out there that are sexy and a guest might say that. It's not going to happen for me. It's never going to happen for me. And it shouldn't happen. That's not why people come to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. You know, this is, yeah. not an, this is not an erotic thrill ride, clearly. It might actually be the exact opposite right. of an erotic thrill ride. That yeah. I can promise you. No one has ever been aroused by listening to this program. <laughs> that is a guarantee. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah, I think we have talked about that on this show before, that it was a boner killer. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, you know what words. you could have done? You could have made the choice to go, oh, Conan, you know, you're being too hard on yourself and you're, oh. you're a handsome guy and there are people out there. You know, you could have done something like that, but you didn't. You doubled down on... Oh, yeah. Remember Boner Killer? Yeah. Remember that? You're, right. you're like, I'm okay, well, that's nice. I'll do it. I'll do it. No, you're wrong. No, it's yeah. just uh, let it go. Oh, Conan, it's come like, on. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's so on. much raw just, sexuality seeping out of yeah, you. Now I'm getting all yeah. hot and yeah. bothered. No, yeah. I'm getting hot and bothered now. Ew. Oh, what are you oh, doing? I'm oh, 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 sassafras. Oh, God, oh, come on. Boner killer, boner <laughs> killer. Sassafras. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. 
for the love of home.